Hello, and welcome to the Philly Soccer Pod. I'm your host, Will McQuillan. With me today, as always, are Joe and Matthew. Today, we'll recap the Union's frustrating loss to the Portland Timbers and preview their upcoming game against New York City FC. We'll also get into Matthew's MLS fantasy tips and what games you should watch this weekend. Let's go. largest of the Banners' on-field pregame did nothing to aid the Union this week as they fell 3-1 to a rampaging Portland Timbers team. The drumline, t-shirt guns, parachute gift card drops, and food trucks didn't either, and, just in case you were wondering, the coach, ownership group, and waning fan support that will continue to dwindle were probably detrimental. The team still hasn't won since August 27th. Joe, why don't you go ahead and describe the game quickly? game was dispiriting, disheartening, any other disword I can think of. Disappointing. It was, uh, the Timbers came in and just cleaned the clock of the Union. I mean, the Union scored their the first goal. Was a, it was a nice header from Marquez. But then it was the same problem that they've had all season. They're not playing the right formation. Badoya is in the wrong spot. Uh, Curtin refuses to make changes. And in general, I walked away from that game feeling that it's not only a coaching change that's required, I think it's an ownership change that's required because of the lack of commitment of dollars and determination to be excellent that is lacking in this ownership group. So that's my quick summary of the game from last night. Yeah. All right, Matthew, how had the Union, you know, they scored the first goal. How did they come out in this game? I thought the Union looked pretty good for the first four minutes, just like they did against D.C. United. But after that, as everybody sort of expected, Portland showed their quality and really outplayed the Union for the rest of the game. Yeah, let's talk about that first goal. It was off a corner kick. Harris puts one into the box, and you know Richie Marquez with a nice header. Um, but then it felt like pretty much right away the Timbers came right back down the field with that quick counterattack of theirs, and Darlington Nagby fires one in from long range. It was, it was a shot that maybe Andre played at least from my vantage point, looked like he could have done a little bit better on, or he's been so, so spectacular all season. I expected him to maybe get to that one, but it slipped inside that post, and it was really the reaction or the lack of reaction of the, t- of the union thereafter that was the, the hard part to swallow. Yeah, uh, then we get on into the second half. The union look pretty lifeless, and in the 66th minute, Timbers get a free kick outside the box. Diego Valeri puts a nice one in for Roy Miller to head home. Nothing the defense could really do about that. That was a pretty nice goal. And I want to talk about uh, Diego Valeri for one second. I mean, he's a is he a designated player? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So you and you're watching that game, and you can see that designated player and say, "Oh, that is the special player who's making the difference in this game." And I'm going to go over to Bedoya. Did you see anything from Bedoya last night? And I either wrong position or not, I'm not seeing any. I wouldn't have noticed him from any other player that was on the field because he was he disappeared along with Chris Pontius. Another thing about Bedoya, I noticed at least once that um, after the Union were pressing and Portland kind of shuffled the ball to the other side of the field, Bedoya started getting back into a defensive position out wide, then saw Senior was in the same spot, kind of like jerked, remembered, oh, I'm in the middle now, and went back to the middle. 88th minute, the Timbers add insult to injury. Fernando Adi puts away a PK. Um, it was a ball over the top. Fabinho tries to sort of bicycle kick, clear it, and Maddox goes through. Blake gets him when he's diving for the ball, and, uh, well, that was the ball game. So a disappointing affair. 
Um, I opened up the segment by talking about all the pregame festivities and about food trucks and drum lines and banners and the parachutes that you know drop from uh, from the roof of the stadium. And again, the team has not won since August 27th. What's going on? Well, uh, Tim McDermott has kept saying that they want to improve the fans' game day experience, and that's great. I fully support that. But drum lines and Acme gift cards and anything on a parachute doesn't really help my game day experience as much as fielding a competitive team that I'm excited and proud to go watch. Yeah, I bet you get a win. Yeah, it, it's a ridiculous amount of time since the last time the unions won. And in, in the preseason, uh, Sports Illustrated puts out their ambition index. Yeah, Grant Wall. Grant Wall. I, th- I thought it was fascinating. And every team submitted uh, a written description of what their ambition was. Every other team that I read said, our ambition is to win a championship. Our ambition is to be get a trophy. The union's ambition... Chicago Fire want to win the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The union's written ambition in that was to have a sold-out talent energy stadium. That is different than winning games. So I, it, there's something fundamentally wrong with this ownership group and the, the front office that is translating to failure on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think the Timbers are a perfect example of you know, Merrick Paulson, for whatever he says on Twitter, still is immensely rich and committed to winning a championship. And they did it in 2015. They missed the playoffs last year, and now they're back on top of the Western Conference because they go out and get two DPs um, that can run up and down and, and actually put the ball in the back of the net. And if the union's ownership group is trying to fill Talent Energy Stadium, they're going about it the wrong way because to fill a stadium, you need a team that's worth filling a stadium for. Definitely. I don't have anything more to say about this game, just that, you know, beyond general disgust. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that unless there's a change with the coach, right now I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold my breath for a change in ownership. I, it, I don't think that Jay Sugarman is going to sell this team, nor is he going to bring it, bring it a partner with deep pockets or deep enough pockets. Um, and if they're not going to move Jim Curtin and make some changes, I, I think this is the beginning of a long, painful season. And what are we in, year eight of this franchise? This is going to be the eighth pretty painful season. This week, the Union will stay at home to face an NYCFC team that is winless on the road so far this year. Matthew, what do you expect from this game? Well, I don't think NYCFC being winless on the road matters much because the Union are winless on the season. That said... Uh, David Villa is a very, very good player. If the Union want to have any chance at getting any points from this game, they need to track David Villa and make sure he doesn't get a lot of the ball. Yeah, he's, he's actually one of my favorite players to watch in the entire league. He's a designated player who came from the highest levels of European soccer, and he came as a professional and plays hard and competes every game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see him, see him play live. Um, that being said, I, I don't even know how the Union... What they're going to do to, to win this game? What, what's the strategy? I think the Union need to start moving players around at, at random, I guess. Um, push Bedoya wide, bring Olsenio inside, bring Herbers inside, sit Olsenio, start Herbers, anything to shake up the team and get a result. NYC had a pretty productive offseason. They added uh, Maxi Morales and Alexander Ring. And Next, Rodney Wallace also. And Rodney Wallace. Um, Morales is a very creative midfield player. Ring brings a lot of that defensive bite that they were missing last year with Pirlo back there. 
And Rodney Wallace is a proven MLS commodity who I've been very impressed with this year. And as you just mentioned, Pirlo, I mean, he's still a pleasure to watch, although he, he does not play any defense and he hardly seems to be moving on the field. He, he's got such beautiful touch on the ball. It's, it's a different type of play than most players in MLS have. And yet when he gets subbed out, Tommy McNamara comes in, and that's another weapon you know, that comes in off the bench. Uh, it's funny, he always looks out of shape, but then ends up scoring a nice goal. So He's a competitor. Thinks, uh, yeah. Um, how can the union break down NYCFC, besides moving players around? They need to get a little more creative in the midfield, a little bit faster with the passing, because NYC likes to be everywhere when they're playing defense. And if the union can like play around one guy and get around another guy, then there might be some space opening up for the wingers and the strikers to get into the attack. I agree. I think also just working the ball out wide, and hopefully Chris Pontius can get a little more involved than he's been in the last couple games. Um, hopefully get back, you know, scoring and, and assisting. Um, El Senio, I thought looked pretty good the other night. Um, last night we're recording on Sunday night, so hopefully you know he'll start producing some and. Uh, you know, I just don't know what else the union really have. I'm going to jump on my roll in Auburn, of yeah, course. Yeah, okay. And why would this be a perfect game for him to get some time? They've got a guy, Pirlo, who doesn't play any defense. We'll put in our guy who doesn't play any defense and see if he can at least get a, a, a shot off. We saw him for half an hour on Saturday. and Not much. Know, yeah, yeah not, not a lot. Nice free kick that went into the river. and uh, I counted four back passes. Yeah, not, not much else. All right, predictions. We know this is wildly inaccurate, but I want scoreline and goal scorers. Joe, the Union haven't won since last August, so I'm not gonna, I'm not predicting a win. Uh, I'm gonna go with a two-one loss. It just, it seems that the the direction of this club is downward, and until something dramatic happens, I I've got to go with a two-one loss. Scorers on on the Union side, I, I don't even know. You pick yeah. somebody. Uh, Gucci on Yewu. Yeah, good. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> He's having a good season. Matthew. Uh, I'm going to go with the 2-0 loss. NYC's a better team. They're a better coach team. They have a little more momentum, a lot more momentum than the Union do. And WV is going to score two goals. The Union are going to look lifeless. I don't even know if they're going to get a shot on goal, honestly. Mm. And it'll be a loss. one nothing goal on goal. <laughs> nice prediction. It's time now for a quick MLS fantasy update. Matthew, it's consistently in the top 5% of all MLS fantasy players. That's nearly 30,000 people. And right now, he's going to tell us who to pick and who to avoid this week. We'll also discuss the best games from this coming weekend. Well, Atlanta United's been doing just fine without Joseph Martinez. Uh, they have Hector Vialba, who's another DP, one of their three DPs, up at striker. He scored two goals against Toronto this past week, and they're playing Montreal, who, besides the Union, is the only winless team in MLS. So Atlanta would be a really good pick this week, any player from there. I'd also like to mention Kubo Torres, who did not score this past week, but he had a hat-trick two weeks ago, and um, he's having a really great year after disappearing, uh, to me at least, falling off the face of the earth for a couple of years. He's playing against Minnesota, who has yet to concede less than two goals in any given game. All right, best game from MLS this coming weekend, Matthew. Orlando, LA. I like Kyle Lahren. Romain Alessandrini has been really impressive since coming to MLS, and I think it's going to be a great game. 
All right, I'm going to go with Dallas San Jose. I think that's at Avaya Stadium in the Bay Area. Um, Dallas is always fun to watch. They've got so many attacking weapons um, and some strong defense. And San Jose, you know, I, I think I yeah, uh, recommended them in the past as the best game. Godoy, I really like. Uh, Tommy Thompson coming off the bench as a homegrown player with the best name in MLS. Uh, Juan Pulaski and Nick Lima are another homegrown player who's doing really well. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Montreal. Al Marone from Atlanta is a fantastic player, and I, I'm intrigued. I'm happy to watch a club who has young, talented players who are organized in a, a coherent fashion, the, the opposite of what we are watching here in Philadelphia. So I, I'm Atlanta Montreal is my pick for the week. All right, that's going to do it for this episode, but don't go anywhere just yet. Release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher.com, and SoundCloud. You can follow us on Twitter at PhillySoccerPod. I'm at WMCQ19, and Matthew's at Matt underscore McWill. Comments, questions, or reactions can be tweeted at us there or emailed to us at PhillySoccerPod at gmail.com. Ratings and comments on iTunes and Stitcher are essential for getting a show like ours publicity, so please be sure to tell your friends and leave those reviews. It really is quick and easy. For Joe and Matthew, I'm Will McQuillan. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.